0: Actions do not produce faith. Your faith produces actions. This is hugely important and absolutely a key to making sure as you begin to step more into the kingdom of God, that you step into a greater level of health and divine healing and not into a lesser level that hurts your body. I'm going to say that again because this is vital. Actions do not produce faith. Your faith produces actions. So now that you've listened to an understanding of what world systems are, the history of the modern medicine system, and a compare and contrast of the way the kingdom of God system works versus the system of the world's medical healing system, I want to go directly into what the scripture calls sorcery when it's talking about the deeds of the flesh and i'm going to ask you to listen to the sorcery teaching in its entirety this will probably be just maybe a two or three part episode but this is something that for some people is absolutely radical others have already woken up to this and it's not radical But for some people, what I'm about to share seems very, very far-fetched, even though it comes from Scripture. But the reason it seems so far-fetched is this is something that many, many people in modern-day culture have bought into as a common way of life. So my best and first encouragement to you is just as I go through these things, you have to ask yourself, did your beliefs come from God himself? Or did they come from your parents and friends and television and schooling and experiences that perhaps you had growing up? Or was it Christ himself who handed you your understanding in these areas? Remember the knowledge of good and evil it is possible to think that you know something is good and yet for it to be a deception that's actually being used against you and mankind at large and a biblical understanding of what sorcery is is something that's hotly contested by some people there's a lot of people who do not want to embrace the truth of what christ teaches in this area so we see the word sorcery here we see that sorcery is one of the deeds of the flesh But I'm going to skip really quick to Revelation 21.8. But for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters, we just did that one, and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. There seems to be an overlap of a negative outcome for people who remain caught in these deeds of the flesh. Now, I'm not into the I'm not going to get into the theology of once saved always saved, can you lose your salvation? I don't know. My, my honest thoughts on that is just do your best to follow Jesus with all your might, forsake everything of this world and follow him with everything you've got then I don't think you'll have a problem. So what is sorcerer and sorcery? Well, let's look it up in the original Greek. That's pharmakous and pharmakia. So for sorcerer, we've got a pharmacist or a druggist. And then that could be used by extension to refer to a magician. But it does include pharmacist and druggist. All right, so what's the word sorcery? That's the word pharmakia which means pharmacy, and by extension, it would mean magic or witchcraft. It means the word medication. It's meaning the use of medicine or drugs or spells, and then eventually poisoning and eventually witchcraft. Another note from the concordance here is that in sorcery, the use of drugs was often, not always, but often, accompanied by incantations and appeals to occult powers. And sometimes the provision would have charms or amulets and so on. Supposedly, this was to keep the patient from the power of the devil. We know from Scripture that sickness is often one of the powers of the devil. We see in John 10.10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We see in the book of Acts where... I believe it was Peter talking and says, Jesus, a man anointed by the Holy Spirit, came to heal those who were oppressed of the devil. The devil brings a lot of sickness on people. The idea of someone offering you a medicine, a drug, or a spell to be able to keep the power of the devil at bay is what the scripture would refer to as sorcery. Now, some of you may be listening and thinking, wait, that just sound, that sounds a lot like the modern medicine system, but maybe without the incantations and the amulets or rocks or whatever they decided to have, the little charms. Well, I want to talk about a few different topics. I want to talk about what medicine looks like in the shaman world, where a lot of the church would still look at and say, oh, that stuff, that's definitely the occultic devil sorcerer kind of stuff. And then I want to show you how it's actually almost no different whatsoever from modern medicine uh, other than a microscope and an educational institution around it. And then I'm going to share with you a little bit of information that most people don't know about the modern medicine system. I'll just give you like 10 quick facts. I've done a whole series on this previously somewhere in my podcast series. You can go check it out if you want to. It's in the case for Christ, the healer, why Jesus alone must be the healer of our bodies because he paid for it in salvation and anyone trying to replace jesus christ in god's plan of salvation is wrong scripture declares there's one name under heaven by which men must be saved and that's the name of jesus christ so if i show up and tell you hey i got a new name for you under heaven i got this dude name you know whatever And he whooped up this magic pill. And if you'll take this magic pill, it'll bring you the new salvation for your body. Well, Scripture declares there's one name under heaven by which men must be saved. One name. But I do want to give a warning, a big, big warning here. Because when people begin to wake up to this truth, there sometimes tends to be an issue, especially for people who don't fully understand this Where as you begin to understand what scripture actually calls sorcery and that it is, in fact, what we know as modern medicine, sometimes what will happen is people have particular life-saving medications. Maybe they're diabetes and they got the diabetes medication or whatever whatever it is. I I don't know. I'm not getting into all that. Uh, I'm not a doctor, although I almost became a medical doctor. I've cited a lot of both uh, Eastern medicine and Western medicine. But the issue is sometimes people will hear these messages and they'll respond in what I would consider a a non-wise way. This would not be wisdom. And they'll just like throw their medications out even though it's what's keeping them alive at the moment. And then they will hope that throwing the medications away will somehow cause them to have the faith to be able to receive a supernatural healing. And I will say that does not always work out so well. There's a number of people who have tried that and been told they had to throw away their life-saving drugs. And next thing they know, they're with Jesus because they didn't have the faith or know how the faith even worked to receive healing. And often that's because uh, faith is actually a very different system than modern medicine. They're, They're two completely different systems. Scripture says the flesh profits nothing. It's the spirit that gives life. Well, faith is a system of the spirit and medicine is a system of the flesh. They're literally two different things and scripture tells us they're at war with one another. So it's not like you can just immediately drop everything that you know and you're doing and somehow magically be empowered to walk out the spirit man perfectly and receive a miracle. So I'm going to tell you right now, as you go through this particular part of the series, if you're on some sort of medication, life-saving medication, whatever, you do you. You go to whoever you decide and you believe is the authority over your body, and you follow and obey them. I'm just going to talk to you about the belief systems behind these things, and my hope is that you can shift your belief system. I'm not saying you have to shift your action, but I'm saying if you can shift your belief from flesh to spirit, you can plug back into spirit that actually gives life and that's where people find the power to receive their supernatural miracle there are people who will still remain on their life saving medications until they receive their miraculous healing and then when they no longer need the medication then they shift into a life where they don't need medication anymore but just so make sure you heed that warning Please heed that warning because I don't want Christians unnecessarily dropping dead, especially when we need you for the kingdom. All right, so let's talk about like a shaman. I'm going to start off with an example from a popular movie a while back. This was the movie, The Black Panther. And I don't know if any of y'all saw it. It was Was it Marvel? One of the Marvel movies or whatever. And I'm just going to refer to one particular scene in it. And there's a scene where... You know the guy that I forget the actor's name, but the dude that played the Black Panther, he goes and they give him some like magic herb. They pull this little plant out the ground and oh, they mix it, and beat it up or something, and it turns like into some radioactive drink. He drinks the thing and then he lays down, and next thing you know, he's having kind of a, a trip, a spiritual experience or something, or seemingly spiritual, anyways. And he's on like the ancestor planes and he's talking to his ancestors and all this stuff. And, you know, he unlocks some secret and he comes back and he's got the super duper Black Panther ninja powers. So here this guy was using a medication. And I realize this is made up from from TV show, but this is actually how this works like this in real life too. A lot of these shaman people have that. You can go take ketamine now and get injected with ketamine for ketamine drug trips. People do this with mushrooms and this ayahuasca, I can't even say it, ayahuasca, something like that. Uh, I keep hearing this new one that they're talking about, or somebody talking about the, this one they call it a spirit drug or spirit molecule. It's D, DTM, I don't know, something with a D and a T and an M in it. But people keep talking about all these different drugs, and they're relating these drugs to spirit. And yet, drugs are actually kind of listed as a work of the flesh, not as a work of the spirit. So sometimes people are using these drugs to try to manifest some sort of experience that could only truly be received through the spirit. And so you'll see that with people. I forget which one, but I've heard of one where these guys will come together in a group and they got some you know, supervisor that drugs them all up and they sit outside of a forest all staring at the trees and... They all see some spiritual entity or something that comes out and chit chats with them, and I'm not recommending doing any of this stuff. I'm just these are things that I've I've heard, um, you know, that seem to be becoming more and more popular. But this is what we would have traditionally, often at least in the church I was raised in, thought of as kind of a sorcery or an occultic type of thing. You're taking a drug intent on getting some sort of experience that you're only supposed to, or that genuinely comes from the spirit man. Read the book of Daniel. Read the book of Jeremiah. Look at the prophets in the Bible. They have tons of spiritual experiences. And it doesn't say, you know, Daniel popped a bunch of mushrooms and then had a vision. You don't see Daniel went to the shaman and got drugged up and had all these things. You don't see any of that stuff in there. You see actual real things manifesting from the Spirit of God. Matter of fact, I want to use Daniel as an example because when you read the book of Daniel, what you see is you see that Daniel, by following the Spirit of the living God over and over, it says the Spirit of a holy God lives inside of you, the one true God. And he was in charge of the sorcerers and the enchanters and all of those people. Those people couldn't keep up with his God. With all their drugs, all their sorcery, all their special spiritual medicines and whatnot, they could not keep up with one man flowing from the Spirit. The Spirit gives life. You'll notice the gift of healing is listed as a spiritual gift, it comes from the Spirit. Genuine, true, real life healing. From Christ comes from the Spirit. This is why the majority of what we have today, at least in the world of medicine, is symptom control, symptom cover-up, pain control, pain relief. Not problem-fixing because it is the Spirit that gives life and there's not a drug you can pop to cause your spirit to manifest more fully. So figure you were in the old days and you go to the shaman. Hey, I've got back pain or whatever. And the guy whoops up some drug for you. He takes, you know, some leaves over here, some leaves over there, a little bit of this, a pinch of that. He puts them all together. Maybe he puts his hands over it, says, you know, hocus pocus, abracadabra, in the name of whatever he worships. And hands you the little concoction and you eat it, drink it, pop the pill, whatever you might do. Some of us would look to that and we would call that sorcery. We'd call that of the devil. A lot of people in the church would call that of the the devil. All right. Well, now imagine the shaman goes to college. He gets himself an education. And now he comes back to you and he grabs a pinch of this and a pinch of that and puts a bunch of stuff together and hands it over to you. Is it still sorcery or not? Now that the guy's got a college degree in this, does it make it no longer sorcery? Let me give you one more. Now imagine the, the, the shaman guy goes to college, but at this particular college, they have microscopes. And so they start looking with microscopes. Maybe they have some some research where they get a bunch of people that come together and they say, all right, shaman guy, we're going to have all these different test experiments. We're gonna have 100 people try to eat some of your different plants and stuff to see you know if there seems to be some general effectiveness in this and some of the people come back and say yeah hey this helped my bat problem all right cool it's effective well now it's been proven it's been proven that there might be some effectiveness to people at least to help give them some sort of temporary relief has this now gone away from sorcery or is it sorcery that we've just tested on a bunch of people and cause them to embrace it. Sorcery in the Bible is not quite like where you're grabbing a magic wand and aiming it and little lightning bolts are flying out. That's not biblical sorcery. Biblical sorcery, we really see a lot of times as the idea of the the, the drugs. This is literally what the this is literally the definition of this in the Greek is medicine. Medicine which is one of the most commonly accepted things in our society. It's also in the top 10 killers of our society. In case you did not know that, think about that. Let that sink in. The thing that so many people worship and exalt above God. And remember, the scripture declares this is a work of the flesh, a deed of the flesh, and the flesh is at war with the spirit. And that if we embrace the deeds of the flesh, we are no longer Christ. We have forsaken the faith and fallen away from it. But, you know, I was raised in what we would consider a civilized society where we have set up so much education. We love education. We idolize education. We exalt it above everything. Kind of, sort of sounds like the fall of man, just a little bit, where they decided to exalt knowledge above obedience to God. And welcome to our society, where a lot of people in our nation will send their children off to educational institutions, kids that they raise as Christians, and the kids run off to the education system and come back having forsaken the faith. This is a common thing. We live in a society where we exalt education and knowledge above God. We even have this lie going around that knowledge is power. And yet the manifest spirit of God is power. Dunamis is power. And dunamis is not knowledge. Often it doesn't even line up with reason and logic. So my encouragement to you, I'm going to do another episode here where I'm going to give you 10 quick-ish facts about the modern medicine system because there's a lot of false information being perpetuated by the church who has just never actually bothered to open a single book and research anything that they're actually saying when it comes to this topic. And that's important. And the reason why that's important is because you have to realize sorcery is from a different kingdom. It's not from the kingdom of God. There is some power to medicine because it does come from a kingdom, but it's the kingdom of darkness and not the kingdom of light. There are some world systems and structures that can be redeemed by the Spirit of God for the purpose of the kingdom of God. But they have to be systems that come from the kingdom of God. If the system came from the kingdom of God and has simply gotten somewhat corrupted, it's possible it could be redeemed. But if the system never even came from God, and it was actually built contrary to God to undermine God, then the issue is not redeeming the system. It's replacing it with what God has that's genuine. And what you're about to find out is that our modern medicine system is actually a counterfeit of something that's real. And most people haven't perceived what's real because they're stuck in the counterfeit. But before I move to those 10 facts, so think about this. Just because somebody goes to college Does that, and maybe there's science. Oh, hey, there's science supporting the fact that there are some results to medications that could sometimes indicate the possibility of results that might be desirable. Hey, this guy's got back pain. Hey, when he takes this, it seems to reduce the back pain. Awesome. Therefore, it must be from God, right? Wrong. Also, just watch the TV. Half these drugs come out 10 years later You got lawyers like me hopping on the TV going, Hey, did you take that drug? Call today. We'll sue this, that, and the other people because of all these different bad side effects coming out. Don't fall for it just because it's well accepted in our society. So is pornography. So is sexual immorality. Those are all over the place. So are drugs. So is drunkenness. These are all well accepted in our society by many different people. Sorcery is just another one on the list. And realize something, from a flesh versus spirit perspective, you're either walking by the spirit or you're walking by the flesh. And you're walking by the flesh whether you're doing sexual immorality or sorcery. Something I wanted to just mention in case you did not pick up on it, Hippocrates, the man that we call the father of modern medicine, was a Greek. He first opened his school of medicine in Greece. That's the place where many of our theories of medicines and drugs actually come from. And I mention this because the New Testament was written in Greek. The Greeks actually had influence into a number of the cultures that were being directly addressed throughout the New Testament. If you actually studied history on many of the teachings of Hippocrates, the theories where they came from and so on, you would find it was Hippocrates literally taking the teachings of Egypt, shifting them according to what Hippocrates felt like and distributing them throughout many of the cultures that later the disciples and apostles actually went to these cultures And we're having to shift them away from the culture of the world of that day to a kingdom of God culture. And the culture of the world of that day was partly the influence of Hippocrates and Greek medicine, which influences our nation and society today. And I mention this because sometimes people don't realize the connection between the roots of the modern medicine system and the New Testament addressing the very cultures that had been affected by that system. And I think I've already mentioned it in the history of medicine when we went over that about how the city of Corinth had actually set up the very idols that were associated with this system of medicine that came from Hippocrates. They had temples dedicated to this, idols dedicated to these things. And these are the same, same root places from where our system comes from. All right, I want to do a little bit of thought processes here for part two on sorcery. And then I want to go into 10 facts. So first, the thought process is that shaman guy that's out there in the wilderness, whooping up whatever batch of stuff, praying over it. Versus, hey, I just went to a doctor and he, he prescribed me this bottle of pills that I got from the local pharmacy. What are the similarities and what are the differences? Well, the difference is maybe the building I got the thing in. um, You know, one of them may have a billion or trillion dollar industry behind it that's very interested in making billions and trillions of dollars. Maybe the shaman doesn't have billions or trillions of dollars. It might actually be possible that the shaman has a better heart for helping the people than the guy that's making a billion or trillion dollars off of this. I'm not saying he does, but it's possible. I imagine most of these independent shaman guys probably aren't billionaires or trillionaires. I don't know because I don't hang out with them, but I just have a hunch they're not. Maybe we view the shaman guy as just an uneducated man practicing whatever somebody taught him, some spiritually people. Well, what about the, the pharmaceutical side? So now you got, this is what we suppose happens. Most of us actually have no idea. I'm just going to point out really quick that the shaman guy, if he's whooped up his little concoction and he's praying over it to whatever God he believes in, we would probably see that right there if he was doing this in front of us. However, how do you know the pharmaceutical industry isn't doing this? Have you ever actually gone from laboratory every step through to see a drug made to actually having it handed it to you off of a shelf, I bet you not a single one of you listening to this has ever followed the thing through. It's very well possible there could have been 17 times in the process you got a whole crew of witches praying to their God over this thing. Now, I'm not saying that's actually happening. I'm just saying most of you probably don't actually know and have probably never even taken the time to think about whether that's going on. There's a scripture that talks about don't eat meat sacrificed to idols, but how do you know whether you're consuming drugs that have been prayed over by people who are you know, uh, trying to bless them in the name of some foreign god? That could be far-fetched. It could be. But let's start talking about 10 facts you may not know about the modern medicine system. And I don't know if it's going to be exactly 10 facts, but I'm going to go over some popular questions here. And just a quick background. So this actually comes from a booklet of mine called, Are Doctors from God? Give Your Medical Knowledge a Checkup. And this is not a condemnation towards doctors. I have a big, big, big caution in here about uh, not just, you know, throwing away your drugs and potentially dying, hoping that you'll eventually find faith on the way. Don't do that. That's just silly. Don't do that. But I actually went through, I had the Lord prompt me one day to go through and begin to research the history of medicine, I researched the history of doctors all the way back to the first known doctor to mankind where he came from, which was Egypt, by the way. It's actually, uh, he worked for one of the ancient pharaohs in Egypt. How Hippocrates in the Greek medicine actually went back to Egypt and studied under the Egypt guys to begin to learn kind of their understanding of medicine, which was very, very uh polytheists you know because they had tons of gods, tons of ideas over here, very sorcerers and enchanters, that kind of stuff. So Hippocrates goes over there, studies all of that and he comes back and he's kind of an intellectual. So he puts an intellectual spin on all this stuff. He doesn't want everybody just you know doing all the the chants. He kind of thinks the Egyptian guys are a little far-fetched with some of their beliefs like the idea that maybe god would smite you with a plague and somehow that plague could cause sickness and issues hey wait that sounds a lot like moses and the exodus but you know whatever uh so hippocrates decides that that part's a bunch of trash and <laughs> he literally trashes the bible anyways i'm uh, <laughs> just that cracks me up that people don't know this but so here's Hippocrates, and he comes back and says, "Hey, let's look at this intelligently with intellect. We're not spiritual men. We're, you know, not too spiritual anyways, not in the sense the Egyptians are. We believe everything must have a natural cause and a natural cure. So they bust out the microscopes. It's time to start looking for natural causes. Let's look for things like diseases and germs and whatever else, and we have to look for a natural cure. He literally removes the whole concept of healing out of the spirit realm. The egyptians at least kind of had an understanding that there was some sort of spiritual thing to it although they were polytheists and i don't think they were functioning like they should have because they weren't following the one true god but hippocrates who was also not following the one true god puts a big spin on it and i mention hippocrates because he is actually known today as the father of modern medicine jesus said call no one on earth your father But Hippocrates himself is the man that we actually attribute much of the modern medicine doctrines and foundational theories to. So this was not a system that God sent and one of God's prophets came to proclaim. It was a system from a man who lived in a polytheist society that didn't believe in the one true God, trying to figure out how to get his people healthy and healed since they didn't have the God of the Bible. They needed some other way to be able to find healing. That's the foundation of modern medicine. If you look at the original Hippocratic Oath, which now people are starting to come out and try to debate a little bit on this, but the original Oath, which was potentially hundreds to thousands of years before Christ, up until 1960, That was, I don't know, 60-something years ago. The original Hippocratic Oath starts with, I swear by Apollo Physician and Asclepius and Hygieia and Panacea and all the gods and goddesses, blah, 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 bunch of stuff. The original Hippocratic Oath literally swears by a bunch of foreign gods. It is very likely this oath was around at the time of Jesus, when he literally says, I say to you, do not take an oath at all. We see that in Matthew chapter five. Now, who are these gods that are being sworn by? Well, I'm gonna talk about them. The first one I wanna talk about is the pagan god, Asclepius, because a lot of people in the church have no idea where the modern uh, symbol of medicine comes from, the snake wrapped around the pole. I actually used to think it was from the story of Moses because that would just seem logical to me, right? I'm a Christian guy, I figure they're doing good. They, they must believe in God because they got drugs and they're trying to get people better. And Moses had this bronze serpent, you know, around a staff. Well, that's actually not from the biblical account of Moses. Now, I hear this a lot from a lot of people who have not done their homework. I'm hearing this popular ministers, preachers, prophets everywhere saying, oh yeah, that, that comes from the Bible. Wrong. That is wrong. The American Medical Association and World Health Organization both correct that understanding when they point out that their symbol comes from the Greek pagan god Asclepius, who has actually ripped off that symbol from the story of Moses, I would say. But it's actually a tribute to a pagan god, the Greek god of divine healing. I'm going to read you one quote from a book that I have. This is actually the book called Asclepius, printed by the John Hopkins Medical Press. That's our John Hopkins Medical University. I don't recommend this book. It's ridiculously boring and like 800 pages. It's just all about how they worship this God because he has a history of doing divine healing and why he's become basically the, the figurehead for modern medicine. But I'm going to read one quote out of this. And this is in the final stages of paganism. Of all genuinely Greek gods, Asclepius was judged the foremost antagonist of Christ, Jesus Christ. They're literally saying that back in the and towards the end of paganism, which actually it's not really ended yet because people are still pagans. There's still a lot of paganism going on, but they're literally declaring the god Asclepius is the number one antagonist of christ the guy that they attribute modern medicine to i'm going to spell asclepius just in case you want to do a little bit of homework on this a s c l e p i u s it's the greek god of healing and that little symbol with the, the staff and the snake wrapped around it is called the Rod of Asclepius. That is where the American Medical Association and World Health Organization get that symbol from. Just think about that. They literally, I mean, this is like the Christians running around with the cross. Well, the cross generally for, for a lot of Christians refers to the idea of Christianity. But what if I walked into your church wearing the pentagram I think that's what it's called, the big circle with like the Star of David. You know, they always use it in all the occultic TV shows for summoning demons and stuff. If I walked in your church wearing that, you'd probably look at me and go, that guy's of the devil. He needs to get saved and so on. Well, what happens when I when you walk into the medical system and you see this symbol everywhere and in your mind you say, oh, I'm a good Christian man. That looks like a good Christian symbol. I remember that from the book of, from Moses. And yet in reality, they're actually using that symbol for someone that's not Moses. They're using that symbol for the goddess Clepias. And because of your ignorance, you just assume that you're in a place that lines up with your convictions and beliefs. What if you walked into the medical world and they were wearing the occult symbol, a different occult symbol instead of this occult symbol? What if you saw them wearing the pentagram? would you then stop, step back and say, wait a second, why is that dude wearing a pentagram? Why is the pentagram the the symbol for this industry? How many of you, I'm not going to ask that. I was going to ask how many of you actually actively seek out psychics and witches and stuff like that. But that's actually becoming a common thing in the church because it's really no step at all away from modern medicine. So just a couple more quick facts here. The city of Corinth, Whenever Paul, We see this in the book of Corinthians where uh, Paul actually goes to the Corinthians and he's having to basically correct them away from idols. Well, if you actually look at the city of Corinth, look at the history of it, look at the actual museum of Corinth. You can go out there and find the ruins right now for the god Asclepius. There's actually a couple other gods as well they have. The, the other ones uh, that I had read earlier, Apollo, Asclepius, Hygieia, Panacea. History actually shows us at least three of those four gods having temples and statues and idols and so on in the city of Corinth. This is where Paul shows up and says, hey, look, those are idols and they have no real existence. There's only one God. And he brings this correction Because there's this idea that, hey, who's telling me that in order to get my body healed, I have to find the man who has put together the magical concoction and creation of 13 secret ingredients, herbs and spices. And once I eat that magic combination of herbs and spices, then my body will be able to be healed. Who's telling me this? Why am I believing this? I'm not saying it's a completely false system. It's just a false kingdom. It's not the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of the world. And we are literally training people to believe in the kingdom of the world instead of the kingdom of God. Under the kingdom of God, we have what I call the one name. This is Acts 4, chapter 12, or chapter 4, 12. And this is where Peter, eh, they had just gone in, they had miraculously healed a dude, and now they're having to give a testimony about this. And Peter says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among mankind by which we must be saved. That word saved is the word sozo. That's the word physical healing deliverance for issues of the soul so so not psychology and i'm not hating on psychology but not psychology but rather jesus christ the creator of the soul who sets your soul free as you walk on a journey with him there's been a lot of psychology invading the church and replacing real christianity and real salvation and the real sozo but then you know there's also sozo for the spirit man sozo is comprehensive it's your spirit your soul and your body if you need to be born again, he's got, you. he's got your spirit, man. He'll give you a new spirit. If you need your soul to be renewed, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, he's got you. Just present your body a living sacrifice, holy to him, and don't present it to deceptions and idols and, and witches and sorcerers and uh, sexually immorals and so on. Present it to him. And if you need physical healing, present it to him. Present that body to God, to Jesus, for your physical healing. Now, again, I'm going to bring back just my kind of caution warning because there were historically, there have been a few guys that we might look at and consider nut jobs as far as preachers go, who would tell people, you got to throw away your drugs and otherwise God won't heal you and blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying that. Let me say this right here. There were probably tons of people in the multitudes that came to Jesus who had all kind of problems, may have been taking all kind of medications. We know there was a physician already there, Luke, you know, and so there was probably drug dealers in that society. But that didn't stop them from receiving healing from Jesus. But once they got their healing, they didn't need whatever crutches, you know. Look, if, if you get healed out of a wheelchair, you can walk again and you don't need a wheelchair Why are you carrying around the wheelchair? You don't need to do that anymore, right? So once you receive healing, you may not need the very assistive device or thing or whatever you're using to maintain yourself in the meantime. So don't feel condemned if you have a crutch or something that you've known and been on for a long time. Hold on to that, but don't stay there mentally. Mentally pursue Jesus and know and believe for your healing so that you can press in and receive it and no longer be stuck on the crutches of the world's kingdom, but rather you can step into the kingdom of of light, the kingdom of God, the gospel of the kingdom and the kingdom of the gospel. Look, there's a reason why it is not well advertised with the history of the roots of the modern medicine system because the devil comes posing as a king as an angel of light this is the knowledge of good and evil it looks good but it's still going to bring death and it does consistently the system's responsible for the death of millions easily maybe far more than that by this point truthfully there's part of me that looks and says because we've taught so many people to go to this system instead of god It's very possible that simply training somebody to believe in looking to man instead of God when they're supposed to go to God causes that person to actually fail to receive a healing at the time they need. And then what happens if they pass away and we lose them and they die? I would say that same belief system is responsible for that guy's death. Even though it may have not directly caused the death, by training someone to go to the wrong place whoever's been training them in that is still somewhat responsible. I'm going to give a quick example and then I'm going to share a slight shift because there does come a time of maturity as well for each human. But there was this goofy movie, I think it was like Kung Pao or something like that, where there's this one dude that they train wrong. And like you see him, he shows up in the fight and somebody's coming to fight him. And and, you know, the bad guy comes and punches at him. And he puts his face right in front of the fist. And he just takes a big old fist right to the nose. You know, Then they go to kick him and he puts his face there again and he blocks the kick with his face. And he's just getting beat up. He's absolutely getting beat up. But in his mind, he thinks he's winning. And he says, oh, look, I got the most beat up. Therefore, I am the winner and the victor in this fight. And you see the guys on the sidelines saying, stop, stop, please quit beating him up. We purposely trained him backwards as a practical joke. It was pretty funny in the movie, you know, at least a little bit goofy. But that's actually what's happened in real life. We've purposely trained people into the kingdom of the world instead of the kingdom of God. And it's not really a practical joke. People are getting beat up left and right when healing has been freely available to mankind since the time of jesus and it has never gone away because jesus is the same yesterday today and forever he is alive he is seated at the right hand of the father and every belief system that causes us to draw further away from christ actually draws us further away from genuine real long-term healing and the real solution to our health needs So we have to be careful that system that's training people wrong. In my opinion, that system should actually carry some of the guilt and the burden for all the people that are being murdered basically and killed through the system failing them. This would be like the guys that trained the Kung Fu dude wrong. The guys that trained him wrong should have some responsibility. However, there comes a time when that dude should say, hey, wait a second, nobody else's Kung Fu looks like mine and mine hurts a lot and the other people are hurting They're getting to do the hurting, not the ones getting beat up. Just the same, there comes a time that you should hit maturity and you should begin to say, okay, I'm ready to walk by the spirit now and not live by the flesh. Lord, I want you to teach me, shift my belief systems. That doesn't mean lay down your medications. It doesn't mean lay down your life-saving devices. It doesn't mean throw out your CPAP machines. It doesn't mean do any of that. It means come to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm ready to walk by the Spirit. I want you to renew my mind. And as your mind gets renewed from the kingdom of the world to the kingdom of God, you will find your life getting more and more full of life. Your body becomes more full of healing power, more full of life. This has been my own personal journey of how I've been delivered from some cool medical conditions. My sleep apnea went away. I got miraculously delivered of it just by renewing my mind and meditating on what God teaches about healing in the human body. And finally, somewhere I realized that you got a whole lot of people going to school, taking biology classes, trying to learn about the human body. But all those guys have ever done is chop the human body open and examined it. None of them had created the human body. God did. And God can see the invisible things to you that medical science cannot observe and does not understand. Because God created part of you invisible and part of you visible. You cannot see the spirit. You cannot see the soul. But you've got both of those things in you. This is why it is so important that we go to God and let him be our guide and our teacher in these things. I am telling you, the medical system, my understanding is it's even, uh, some people even believe it's actually related to some of the visions of the prophets about end, one of the biggest end times deceptions. I have no comments on that other than it wouldn't surprise me, but it is still a world system. It's not a kingdom of God system. Look at Jesus in the Gospels. How many pill bottles did that guy hand out? Zero. Zero. How many what did he command the disciples? You shall hand out pill bottles to the sick, and they shall pop too and call you in the morning and they shall be better? Nope. Lay hands on the sick. Well that seems unusual. Unless of course you understand the kingdom of God through renewing your mind and begin to understand how the spirit realm works, then it's not unusual at all. I also want to talk briefly about quantum physics and science and faith and sorcery or worldly kingdom stuff so there's actually there is tons of science i'm not an anti-science guy i i like science i like science i like to study things like that my favorite is quantum physics which has got to be the most hotly contested well maybe not but there's a lot of cool stuff in quantum physics that if you begin to look at it you realize there is a lot of science that's not being taught you can actually see the science behind faith. You can also begin to understand the science behind the occult. So when we say trust the science, are we saying trust the science behind faith? Or are we saying trust the science behind sorcery? Or are we saying, eh, forget both of those, just trust science itself, whatever entity or principality might be pushing that upon the people. And I bring this up because there's there's this common thing, trust the science, trust the science. But you know, the science doesn't even agree with the science a lot. If you actually look at the science behind quantum physics for the way the nature of reality actually works and the way the human actually genuinely works and functions, you will realize it doesn't even line up with most of modern medicine. Much of modern medicine has denied the reality of quantum physics and a lot of the science side of faith in the spiritual realm and that's because when hippocrates brought it he denied the spirit man mostly even though he still had a whole thing to these foreign gods but he really tried to shift medicine to being an intellectual art about you know monkey see monkey figure out kind of thing it wasn't i can observe it i therefore i can solve it But it has to be, you know, natural cause, natural cure. That's what he called it. Natural cause, natural cure. So it literally removed the spiritual aspects from the human. Well, look, if you're a born again Christian, you know you've got a spirit and you've got a renewed one. And the issue is Hippocrates cannot train you in the ways of the spirit, no matter how good you think Hippocrates is, based on whatever training and education and experience and worldliness has been instilled into you. This is what where repentance comes in. It's the idea of surrendering what the world has taught me and giving God a chance to teach me fresh his ways, his kingdom, how his things function. Look, you even have a biblical account of a physician, Luke, being called by God to learn the ways of the kingdom. Luke wasn't training the people in the ways of the physicians, Jesus was training Luke in the ways of the kingdom. And then Luke went out and laid hands on the sick and they recovered. You have no other account of Luke practicing medicine anywhere in the New Testament. Also, just another quick thing. There's actually only 11 verses that refer to doctors in the Bible. And most of them are actually very negative. And none of them are, God gave us this. The only one that seems kind of positive is when Jesus says, Those uh, who are sick have need of a a physician, not those who are well. But he's using kind of a cultural reference. You notice he never actually sends anyone to a physician. He just heals them and has his disciples heal them. And one more thing I want to bring up since I'm on this topic is prophetic words in healing. I've got to share this because this is something I've gotten to observe many, many times over the years. And this is always hard for people who have only studied healing from maybe one stream of the body of Christ, especially like the word of knowledge side or the prophetic side. Look, the gift of prophecy is one gift and the gift of healing is another gift. However, prophets get to do some really cool things. And sometimes you'll give a prophetic word that brings healing and that's ridiculously awesome. But sometimes what will happen is people won't have a full understanding of what sorcery is, what it looks like, and you get a word from God that you're gonna be healed. And so what do you do? You run down the street to the local shaman and you ask him to whoop you up something so you can down it and try to receive your healing. And then the guy doesn't receive healing and he passes on. And everybody's really upset because the word of the Lord did not come to pass. Why didn't the guy go to the Lord? Why did the guy think the shaman was God when they're clearly two separate people? That's because that's what culture teaches us. That's the problem with not having our minds renewed. The carnal mind brings death even when it seems like we're doing good. This is why we have to get back to God in all things, in all areas of society. One final thought that I want to share about sorcery and the different deeds of the flesh is that it is by the Spirit of God that we put to death the deeds of the flesh. Think about this. Imagine that sorcery is what in fact the Bible says it is. It's modern day medication, pharmacy. And our entire nation is trained from the time you are a baby to be drugged up. And we've not only made it socially acceptable, we've made it the social norm. People are rejected in our society for not drugging their children. And yet the Scripture declares this is a deed of the flesh. This would be like taking and having some other deed of the flesh stuck in you at the time you're a youth. I mean, imagine you have a child that, this is unfortunate and happens in our society. And I used to see this when I was a lawyer, but sometimes you get children who have sexual experiences forced upon them when they don't want that. And what it does is it'll sometimes put this impulse in the flesh that as they grow up they're carrying out all kind of different acts and desires of the flesh that in reality they should not be carrying out they're they're stuck in this thing and it's actually somewhat of a trauma on the child and yet we sometimes it's literally been trained into the body of the child it's trained into the carnal nature and so the carnal nature seeks those things and that's a horrible example but one that i've gotten to witness when I was a lawyer, standing up for people, protecting people. And I've got a huge heart for protecting children now from that kind of thing, just because of what I had to see when I was practicing law. But I bring that up because it's an example. I'm going to use it as kind of a, a metaphor of, look, that was a kid that was traumatized and now they're having issues. And the solution is not tell the kid, just embrace this in your adult life. Embrace all the problems that you've got from the trauma as a kid. The solution is go to Jesus and get healed from your trauma. He's the deliverer of your soul. He delivers us from past hurts and pains and wrongdoings that people have done. He gives us a new life to live from, and that new life doesn't have those issues. That's how he delivers us. Well, look at the idea of medicine. If you're drugging your kid up from the time they're young, you're literally training them in one of the deeds of the flesh. It's literally being instilled into them, and they grow up and their flesh is becoming somewhat in need of this system. Look, when we switch from the kingdom of God to the kingdom of the world, we may need to impulsively keep running to the kingdom of the world to be our false savior for our bodies, until we actually learn what it is to put to death the deeds of the flesh by the Spirit. Well, just the same as that that child that had the trauma may need to go to Jesus and get freed by the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God sets their body free from the trauma and the impulses and the desires. So in the same way, we go to Jesus and get our bodies set free from the very effects and the desires and the addictions to medication. That's not to say you throw away the medication and hope to find freedom. That's backwards. That's not the way it works. You need to go to Jesus, embrace what Jesus has to say, let him give you new life and by his spirit, he will put to death the deeds of the flesh by setting you free, by healing you, by shifting your very reality to where you no longer need this system of the world. Look, God is a merciful, loving God. He's not going to force you into a position of risking your life in order to bring you your salvation. He already risked his life and gave it to bring you your salvation. But I bring this up because of the fact that what we're doing is we're, by, by embracing What I believe and see very much to be the biblical version of sorcery, but embracing that in a large scale in our nation and society and in most families and households, especially Christian ones, what we're often doing is we're actually training our children to be carnal and fleshly and caught in the flesh forever. And the scripture declares those who are caught, who walk by the flesh, do not obtain the kingdom of god and yet the whole of creation is waiting for the kingdom of god to be manifest look this is a huge large-scale deception and it's not something that you're going to fix by throwing away a pill bottle so don't do that it's something we are going to fix by us at large coming back to god and pursuing him again as the as our complete savior spirit soul and body and letting Him deliver us. And as we begin to walk in that deliverance, we become translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And then we begin to walk more by the kingdom of God. So just keep that in mind as we're taking and drugging up our children is that we're actually training our children to be carnal. And I just want to end this particular topic on sorcery By giving you encouragement, because I know this particular one, I'm kind of going directly after a lot of common beliefs. I don't want you to receive this with any negativity or condemnation. I want you to just go talk to Jesus. That's my hope is that I've inspired you to talk to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, I hear some of that. Start guiding me on a journey of you being the Savior of my body. What does that look like? And step by step, begin to let him renew your mind shift your belief systems from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light and then you will begin to find the power that comes from the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of light. And as that power begins to come into your body, so you will begin to find genuine healing from God Almighty